Innovate UK KTN, connecting for positive change. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us and welcome to the to episode six actually of the Hydro Generally podcast series brought to you by Innovate UK KTN. We do jump around a little bit with presenters uh, on this podcast, so you might not be aware that I'm Steph Eldred. I'm part of the clean energy and infrastructure team here at Innovate UK KTN and lead on our hydrogen innovation network. We've got a great guest for you today, and I'm pleased to be assisted by my wonderful colleague Deborah on today's topic. Before we dive in, just to bring you up to date a little bit, so the Hydro Generally podcast series is the voice of the Hydrogen Innovation Network at Innovate UK KTN. Um, we look at applications, opportunities and challenges of the hydrogen economy with a goal to helping to enable low local clean hydrogen uptake at scale and comparable costs and ideally to help find some novel solutions to this really. If you haven't then if you go to the Innovate UK KTN website through the link in the description you can sign up there and then you'll get newsletters updates anything that we're we're making our members aware of and i think also there you should find uh previous episodes of this podcast and an overview of the podcast series so before now we've learned all about hydrogen production and where it should and could be used that was right at the start we then dived into some of the, the sectors so so far we've talked about glass aviation marine i think i think that's a, uh, i think that's it um and today we've got something a little bit different so we're going to discuss the role of waste to x or waste to hydrogen in this um, new hydrogen economy world i already mentioned that um, deborah's joining me today so so yeah, hi Deborah. Uh, save the listeners from my voice for a little bit. Tell them uh, who you are and a little bit about your role. And then don't forget to introduce today's guest. Uh, thanks, Steph, um, for a lovely introduction. So I'm Deborah. I also work with Steph at KTN. Um, I'm part of the chemistry and industrial biotech team. Um, so just to add a slightly different slant on on hydrogen from a chemistry point of view, hopefully. So we're really grateful to welcome Rob Dent from BOC, who's joining us today. Rob is well known to us at KTN. He's sat on a number of panels with us and also shared case studies at a number of events. Um, as an applications engineer at BOC, Rob is ideally placed to help us to understand how waste to hydrogen works and what the opportunities and challenges look like moving forwards. So hi, Rob. Um, please, could you introduce yourself, explain a little bit more about your role? Hi, my name is Rob. I'm Rob Dent. I'm the application sales engineer for chemistry, energy and construction in BOC. I'm part of a team of about 17 applications engineers working across different sectors. Um, uh, and, and and over the last sort of three years, we've, we've been incredibly focused on industrial decarbonisation and, and hydrogen fuel switching. I guess a little bit about BOC, we're, we're industry leaders in designing and implementing hydrogen mobility and industrial uh, decarbonisation solutions. We deliver real world projects, commercial scale across the UK, um, helping government and businesses to reduce their carbon footprint and drive, drive net zero ambitions. Uh, and, and we're the largest industrial, uh, industrial gases producer, and we've been safely handling hydrogen for, for over 100 years. So, so we see it as a, a core growth uh, machine in our business and um, you know we we like to to push that market forward and, and foster the use of hydrogen in the right places and the production of hydrogen from the right sources 
I think that the, the belief within within BOC Linda is is there's no silver bullet to decarbonisation, and and the you know industry's got several options to choose from: fuel switching, carbon capture, electrification, energy storage. Um, but yeah, there is there is no silver bullet, and we want to enable our customer base and and sort of the wider ecosystem to get to a, a, a lower carbon sort of future. Great, cheers, thanks Deborah, uh, and thanks Rob. Yeah, totally agree and echo what you just said. Really, I think yeah, there is no silver bullet, and at KTN, I suppose we're trying to trying to work across all the different options or the the options that are going to work together collaboratively to to help move us to you know 2050 net zero and what have you um yeah definitely more comfortable with two chemists or chemistry experts in the room so uh thanks for both joining me today and it probably won't surprise you rob to say um let's start with a question so as you'll know from our previous discussions and as our audience will find out throughout this i'm very far from an expert on waste to X or waste to hydrogen. Um, so could you just give our audience an overview of what we and what you mean by this? Yeah, so um, there's, there's two main routes to sort of hydrogen or chemicals from waste, and, and that depends on the type of waste you're, you're trying to process. So we've got really well-established sort of biogenic uh, processing means, you know, through anaerobic digestion or, you know, worst case scenario, landfill uh, that produces biomethane. And then you can you can react that biomethane with CO2 to make either uh, sort of SAF or olefins or, or, or renewable dimethyl ether. Or then you could steam steam methane reform that that biomethane to, to a net zero carbon hydrogen. The sort of other uh, avenue for this is is the is the is the processing of municipal waste. So MSW or, or municipal solid waste or RDF, which is refuse derived fuel, is inherently a, a mixture of, of non-biogenic and biogenic components with sort of inorganics in there as well and, and sort of aggregates. Uh, and that's really difficult to process because there's a, there's a variability of the waste, but effectively it can gasify that material um, with a mixture of of, of oxygen uh, and uh, and heat, which there uh, and, and steam, sorry, uh, which then produces a, a crude syngas, and then you need to reform that syngas to get to a, a, a pure syngas molecule, a pure syngas mixture, which is hydrogen and, and carbon monoxide. You can then put that pure syngas through honored reactions such as water gas shift or a PSA or or Fischer tropes to uh, to, to to, to target a pool of molecules, you know, such as synthetic gasoline, for example, or, or, or SAF, or you can just purify into your hydrogen molecule, which can then go into transport. Um, we we support, support both sort of avenues and both processes uh, with critical oxygen and nitrogen for the reactions that are taking place in the process. Great. So that, that makes a lot more sense now. Um, so we now understand how it works. Um, where are we up to with this in the UK um, and, you know, potentially the rest of the Europe and beyond? Um, are, are we set up, ready to go? Have we got enough facilities here already in the UK or uh, are we being optimistic here? Is it, is it a few years away before we're sort of going to be ready to, to, to deploy this on a larger scale? Well, so the has waste industry has been using gasification for sort of many, many years um, to to effectively make make hazway safe um but that's more of with a focus on waste management and and you know power as a sundry sort of offset from that 
the gasification of waste with a view to producing molecules or fuel cell grade hydrogen is, is kind of on the cusp of industrial commercialization. So there's a flagship project called Fulcrum Biofuels Project in Nevada, which we're supporting with technology. That aims to take 175,000 tonnes of unsorted MSW per year uh, and produce 11 million gallons of bio crude per year, which will then go into various pools of hydrocarbons, you know, with a focus on sustainable aviation fuel. I think that the success of that project is really critical to, to this industry. And, uh, there are, you know, every project that I talk to in this space in the UK is looking in on, on the Falcon project to be successful. So it's, uh, it's important that this kind of cornerstone project is successful for the rest of the industry it's going to be a big a big factor in getting getting those projects to final investment decision so yeah um, i mean most of most of the uk projects at the moment are are at sort of demonstration phase uh yeah, demonstration scale um you know we've, uh, but but we've got larger larger projects that are kind of industrial scale and, and about to reach fid which is really exciting I mean, there's, there's obviously challenges with all of the technologies we're trying to use to move towards decarbonisation. But are there, you know, is there one, two, or three sort of top challenges around, um, you know, waste to X that you would you would highlight that are well known, or is it, like you said, it's you know, is it a case of getting the you know, just getting the finance and the commercialisation sorted? I just just wondered what your thoughts were on that. So you know, with, with all hydrogen projects or, or any kind of fuel production project offtake agreements are kind of critical to that to that investment decision being made without a you know without a business case there's no project so uh that, that's kind of number one and i think that you, you'll know steph that goes across all the hydrogen projects yeah. the, the yeah. classic chicken and egg situation you know i think we need bays to provide infrastructure around the sequestering of co2 from these plants so that the hydrogen can hit the hit, hit the low carbon hydrogen standard and achieve those subsidies and if you want to get these projects going now, then, you know, I'd go as far as to say that this type of technology needs an exemption from Bayes until the infrastructure is there to, to get them, you know, to, to sequester the CO2 that comes off that plant. Obtaining a long-term waste contract for the volumes of waste that you'd need to make the volumes of, uh, of hydrogen that you, that you want is difficult in the UK, uh, especially in certain regions. That's why I think that, so I think that sort of exploiting the free uh, the freeport status of Teesside, for example, to to generate an export market for waste hydrogen would be uh, would would be interesting. You could uh, you know for example import waste, convert at Teesside, and export tax free, which would which would potentially offer a uh, an advantage in the market. And then I guess that the, the major uh, the major technical challenge. Uh, is producing a consistent syngas from a variable waste feed. So you need an incredibly experienced team. You need uh, competent engineers and a, and a team of kind of experienced engineers that are, that are commissioning the plan. And, you know, where these types of projects tend to fall over in, is in the underestimation of the cost to commission. So commissioning this, this sort of plant could be anywhere between 20 and 80% of the capex of the entire plant. And and that is, you know, that is something that can kill a project if if, if it isn't budgeted for. So, um, you know, and underpinning that, we need a long term funding model for paying the H for paying for the hydrogen. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, just a comment really on the you know the chicken and egg situation comes up time and time again. Um, and 
we get approached and I know from our conversations that you get approached from a lot of end users saying, you know, where can we buy <laughs> clean green hydrogen, you know, for X project, X demo, whatever it might be. I suppose just the the comment and the feedback to those end users that might be listening would be, you know, even if it's not available for your project or on the scale that you need, make sure that the producers or these projects are aware of your your need so that it can get built into those investment cases so that those can go ahead you know and we can move forwards on it i guess yeah absolutely and i think that that's something that that bays are trying to address with their funding rounds now in that you know for these demonstration projects that require hydrogen realistically you're not going to get your hands on substantial amounts of green hydrogen at the moment but you do need to prove the concept and and ultimately you know we we need to know as boc where where the demand's coming from so that we can so it can service that 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 market as it grows yeah absolutely right yeah and then obviously we don't know when people will be listening to this but yeah i guess the main things we're referring to are the net zero hydrogen fund and the hydrogen business model strands three and four that'll come later in the year yeah so, Rob, do, how is the waste sector set up for this? Um, so are there any issues around supply? Because I know in my local authority, our municipal solid waste goes towards um, an energy, goes to an energy recovery facility. I think it just, I actually have had a tour of it. It just gets burned, basically, and the, the steam that comes off it is used to uh, power power to go back into the grid. But... Um, they presumably that was set up with some sort of supply agreement um with a local authority to take the waste so is there likely to be competition between these waste to x technologies you know are there any, uh, is there any issues around getting enough waste to do this waste to hydrogen yeah i mean i mean there certainly there certainly will be i think i mean generally uh, these large incinerators are are on long term waste contracts um, and are paid out on, on something called ROCs, so ROCs, Renewable Obligation Certs, uh, and they 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 run for sort of ten fifteen years at a time. I think that the waste sector has a massive change coming. You know, uh, as the emissions trading scheme starts to become something that what the waste sector has to think think about as exemptions start to fade away. You know, incinerators. Yeah, they're great. They get rid of a load of waste, but actually, they're they're not that environmentally friendly, and they're processing three hundred thousand tons per annum uh, per facility. So, as waste starts to become more of a tradable commodity, I guess, in terms of you know gate fees coming down, uh, you know, potentially things like RDF starting to attract you know, either f- flat fees or, or you're starting to have to pay for RDF, then you need to think that the waste sector is going to have to think about new ways of, of, of getting bang for their buck, you know. Can they realistically retrofit C- uh, CO2 capture to a, to an incinerator? Yes, of course they can. How many of the large-scale incinerators are based in the clusters where we're going to have that infrastructure? I don't, know, I don't, I don't have any figures on that, but, but, you know, you see a lot driving around the country. Uh, that, that are certainly not. I mean, the issue with solvent-based capture of CO two from a from an incinerator is flue gas stream. So there's a lot of sort of you know potentially heavy metals, um, you know high NOx, high SOx, um, and not very high concentration of CO two. So it makes it quite a 
quite difficult to capture at a high efficiency, but also the solvent has got to be replaced more often. That increases the OPEX of the capture process and, uh, and, and you know, potentially makes these, these, these incinerators as their subsidy mechanisms die off, you know, unfeasible. Um, so, it, it, well, for, firstly, you know, is, is the grid greening up compatible with incineration moving forward? I don't, I don't really think so. Um, and, uh, and, and is burning our waste something that the public want to see? I don't, I don't think so either. So I think, um, yeah, uh, I think that we, that we should, we should be looking at other technologies and, and the, the market is looking at other technologies, but like I said, there's a kind of perception and reliability hurdle that we need to get over to ensure, um, to, to, yeah, to, to ensure that, that, that this kind of change in the market can be a success to a, to a cleaner, greener one. Cool. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for that, Rob. Very comprehensive. We've probably only got time for a couple more quick questions. So just, um, I've got a view on this as well. So cost, obviously the ele elephant in the room, really. But, um, you know, how does waste to x compare with other options like, you know, electrolysis or conventional natural gas. Um, and as I say, just a real quick viewpoint on that. I suppose my thought would just be that for the quantities of hydrogen we are going to need for, you know, what's been stated in, you know, the hydrogen strategy and various other documents, you know, the um, Committee on Climate Change, for example, we need all of these. So I suppose there's an element of <laughs> it... it yeah, we need them all, but yeah, just wondered what where where it fitted in in terms of costs. So um, I'm not going to give you any figures because yeah. you know it's kind of difficult because it's built up of multiple things, but it'll be somewhere in between unabated SMR and electrolysis hydrogen. Um, and there, there's kind of four main factors to your costs. So you've got gate fee, you know how much gate fee you're getting per ton of waste that you're processing. What is your cost of oxygen? Because oxygen is a major opex in your in your processing. What was the capex of the plant, and what purity of hydrogen do you require? I think that this this type of hydrogen fits really well for industrial fuel switching or internal uh, or red diesel replacement schemes for like internal combustion, uh, because you know you don't need to worry too much about about the about the purity of the molecule for those types of things and these types of systems integrate really well with electrolyzers being able to take off the sort of wet low pressure oxygen and feeding that into the gasification so you then have a fuel cell grade hydrogen coming off your electrolyzer and uh, a cheap you know clean hydrogen industrial hydrogen coming off your uh, coming off your gasification process uh, and I just think that's a really nice kind of kind of fit, and uh, you know that's something that that we as ITM Linda Electrolysis, you know, are, are looking at to to provide the market. I'm really conscious that while we we're here, we focus mainly on waste. But seeing as we have um, top chat from BOC with us, it would be really rude not to ask about the industrial gas sector and how BOC are pushing the hydrogen agenda just now. Yeah. So thanks very much, Deborah. I mean, uh, BOC Linda. As you may or may not know, I've been involved in producing and supplying hydrogen for industry for over 100 years. Um, we operate the world's first high, high purity hydrogen storage cavern, plus pipeline networks totaling approximately a, a thousand kilometers globally to reliably supply our customers. Um, we're at the forefront of the clean hydrogen transition and we've installed 200 
refueling stations and HE electrolyzers uh, across across the world. We have key alliances with people like ITM to provide you know world-beating green gas solutions with the world's largest chem electrolyzer in Loina, feeding into our into our into our chemical complex. Um, and we're involved at the highest level with the you know in government supporting for the emerging hydrogen economy, trying to lobby for the right type of legislation to make hydrogen work in you know the right sectors. Um, you know it's not it's not applicable for every sector, so we need to make make sure it's being used where there's there's the biggest sort of environmental gain. Um, and. We're we're currently embarking on a uh, on a kind of campaign to to decarbonize our hydrogen uh, our hydrogen sort of system our hydrogen production system with our with our first capture plant will be planned for Teesside. and then as these major cluster projects emerge we will be providing you know sort of that critical oxygen for the ATRs critical nitrogen for for safety and we'll deploy. The, the correct assets in the clusters to support that infrastructure development. Great. Cheers, Rob. Yeah. And I think what you were just saying about where hydrogen can offer the most benefit to decarbonisation, I mean, that's exactly what we, I think it was episode two where we had Joanna from Ricardo talking about exactly that. So yeah, we're big believers in it's, you know, there's not one solution to decarbonisation. We need to find the right solutions for the right applications and where they can bring the biggest bang for their buck. Um, so, yeah, as can't believe the time again, as seems to happen with every episode, uh, it's it's flown by. So, yeah, just need to start wrapping up. So thanks so much, Rob. Really enjoyed talking this through with you today. And I know our listeners will feel the same. Um, I know you're on quite a journey at BOC. So, you know, obviously keep in touch. Keep us up to date with progress being made. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for listening. Um any links that we've mentioned today and also a direct link to the Innovate UK KTN website have been added to the description. Um, as Steph mentioned earlier, don't forget, if you're not already signed up, sign up to receive our newsletters and updates. Um, and in the next episode, we're hoping to, to discuss hydrogen for heat. And Steph will be joined by uh, Jenny McDonnell, MBE for that one. Um, and thanks again for following us and goodbye. Innovate UK KTN. Connecting for positive change.